Promo Kitchen is a nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you are a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, CEO of CommonSkew, and I am flying solo today in today's podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to explore the world of professional networking in the mobile age. Our guest today is Sawyer She co-founder of the popular professional networking app, Coffee. Let me tell you a little bit about Sawyer. Sawyer graduated from Boston University in 2013, where he majored in sustainable urban space and architecture. As a millennial who had just graduated from college, Sawyer and his friends were struggling to find jobs. Networking events were tiresome and connections were difficult to make. So they decided to create a social come professional networking site to connect young people in a more meaningful way in the professional landscape. The result was a really cool iPhone app called Coffee. Coffee was launched on the App Store in July 2014 and now boasts over 6,000 members across North America and growth shows no signs of slowing down. Coffee's goal is to connect to the next generation of professionals through a mobile networking platform. Sawyer. It's awesome to have you with us, and thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's actually 7,000 users now. Hey, there you go. In email sequences. So, yeah, I guess we can see the progress right there. You know what's awesome about doing an interview with anyone who's in the software and technology space is that when you do your research for an introduction, often your stats are out of date <laughs> by the time yeah. you, you begin the podcast. So congratulations on all your growth. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, you explained it better than I could have. I was actually going through what I think a lot of people go through when they graduate. There's something crazy like over 50% of people who are graduating seniors don't have anything lined up after school. Mm. And I was sort of one of those people. I had sort of a freelance gig that I had lined up here in green roofing in New York City, and I was sort of pursuing that, but it, it wasn't a solid job, and it, I really had to network in order to just begin that conversation and then slowly build off of that and start exploring my career and really laying down the foundations for my future at this critical time in my life. So that's really how Coffee was born. Why don't we take a step back for a second, and Sawyer, why don't you explain what Coffee, the app, does, how it functions, how people sign up for it, and then we can dig into some of the background and rationale for actually creating this thing, because it's a really cool story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so what Coffee, the app, is, is essentially Tinder for professional networking. If you're familiar with Tinder, it's a dating app where as a straight male, you would see a female and you would say yes or no with the sweat of your finger. And if you guys have both said yes, you'll match and then you can start chatting in the app. So it's a very simple idea where you only talk to people who are interested in talking to you. And so there's never any sort of rejection and it's a very easy way for people to become social and meet new people. Mm. And we believe that this kind of social ability shouldn't just be limited towards people who want to hook up. Right. Uh, it should be open to anybody who's trying to better themselves in any department of their life. And in our cases, we really needed help with networking just because we didn't have a network coming out of school. Mm. And so we sort of identified that as a possibility. And what we've seen now that we've created the app is that a lot of people are resonating with that and, and are using it for all sorts of different reasons that we, we might not have expected. People are collaborating together. People are finding jobs. But at the end of the day, what we're, what we're seeing is the employment is the problem that we're really solving. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. That makes us really happy. So you're a millennial. You graduated in 2013. Your partner, Nate Barnard, graduated in 2012. So you guys are firmly in the millennial demographic. Absolutely. Tell me about some of the problems that you were experiencing networking and finding jobs. Was it related to a shaky economy or was it just related to the fact that you guys were young mm-hmm. and employers just weren't hiring young people? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both. The time we did graduate school, 2012, 2013, the real jobs hadn't really come back into the American market. I mean, this year is going to be fantastic for hiring, and we're hoping that more people can use coffee to, to get hired mm. during this season because we're really seeing the numbers pick up, and that's good. That's very good. But, you know, there's quite some time after, you know, 2008 where people were really struggling to find meaningful employment. And that's sort of the other thing that I experienced personally while trying to, you know, network and find a job is that, it wasn't enough that I was getting something that would pay the bills. That was important and that was essential. But I also wanted something that made me feel like I was contributing and gave me meaning. And I think that's what a lot of millennials feel. You know, they, they want to do something that they can be proud of. They want to do something that inspires them. That's also what we're trying to help with coffee, not just that initial employment, but we're really hoping to help people be able to meet as many people as possible and then be able to really find what it is that makes them get up in the morning and be excited about life. Right. Because we think that's what employment should be like. And I think that resonates with a lot of people my age. That's how we feel. And if we all work together, I think we can change that. So is it your belief that the way the very best jobs are found today in the North American market are through connections as opposed to through responding to a job ad because of there's many of those. You can go on to Monster yeah, or Workopolis or whatever the case may be. But is it your belief that for millennials that the real magic happens through a network as opposed to a job ad? I guess it, it's both. There's a place for both of these types of getting employed. In terms of statistics, 70% of jobs are found through networking. Hmm. So 70% of all jobs. So that's a much higher number than, say, traditional job postings. And what we're seeing in these traditional job postings, which is kind of the industry right now, a lot of them are shifting to mobile. So the change has been pretty significant. A quarter of all Google searches for anything related to a job are done on mobile devices now. Mm. And we're, we're seeing the sort of mobile hiring becoming an industry that people are really paying attention to mm. and really trying to, you know, get their feet into. With a lot of big companies sort of moving, trying to be more mobile first, you know, we see this all across the board because, you know, phones are becoming such a big part of our lives now. Yep. And they're only going to become a bigger part, I believe. Right. Although there's there's a place for um, monitors and computers, but I think the the user experience in the future will be a lot more mobile. Sure, sure, sure. So here I'm curious. We've talked a lot about millennials on the Promo Kitchen podcast over the last couple of years, and because I think it's a segment that is a fascination to a lot of people in the promotional products business, particularly employers that are looking to sell to millennials or employers that are looking to uh, attract them. My question to you, Sawyer, is that my suspicion is that a millennial that's just graduating from college or university today would have a massive network through Instagram or Vine or Facebook, maybe not so much LinkedIn, but Yep. But but a lot of people might argue that a millennial has probably a bigger network than most just by virtue of the fact that they've grown up in a social world. What is coffee doing that Facebook and Vine and Instagram and Twitter are not doing for millennials? Right. All these things that are coming out, you know, really create value in so many ways that we can't even imagine. Like, you know, Twitter, for instance, who would have known that Twitter would have become a huge political thing that was sort of changing people's behavior all around the world? 
so with, with a lot of these social networks, there's value that's created that, you know, people don't really expect. It kind of like comes out of thin air almost, but it's because you've created a new situation where people can be in. And I think what coffee does differently is it really sets the scene in a very professional way mm. where you're not really focused on what this person looks like. That's more just for reference, and it's, it's more about the front page. So if you go to coffeetheapp.com or if you search Coffee the App on your app store, Yep. We're only on iOS right now. We're, we're working on the Android, which is something I guess I can get, talk about deeper later on. But um, yep. uh, you, can, you can see that the card displays the person, where they work, where they went to school, some information about sort of tags that describe who they are and what they're looking for, and then a brief description about yourself. So you can just be like, hey, what's up? I'm Sawyer. Uh, I found a coffee. Uh, please give me feedback and swipe yes. But, you know, it's all, I could also be like looking for an engineer. I could be doing a whole number of things, trying to network with journalists. And I've, I've been able to do all these things through my app. I've been able to speak with funding. I've been able to speak with journalists. You know, I've been able to speak with like-minded professionals who are, you know, like have someone they can introduce me to. And so it's, it's, it's been a fantastic experience. It was, it was really that we built it to solve problems that we were experiencing ourselves. And it, it has really helped us. There was uh, an interesting point that was made in one of the articles that was written about you guys. I think it was in one of the Boston-based blogs where they mention that LinkedIn is, is an amazing vehicle for managing your network, as, but not necessarily for growing your network, which Absolutely. is, of course, what Coffee is focused on. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And the reason I ask is that within the promotional business, and a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, many of them are huge fans of LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is is probably the number one social networking application amongst professionals what do you have Absolutely. to say to them in terms of how it is that they might use coffee that complements LinkedIn as opposed to replacing it? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that LinkedIn is a fantastic network. I have a lot of respect for what they've done there. I feel like they've really carved out a piece of the industry for themselves. You know, There's really no competitors, and it's because they've done such a great job. But the way I see it is these gigantic social networks like Facebook and LinkedIn, they're, they're fantastic for aggregating the, the contacts you already have. Yep. But because they're so, they're so complex and so heavy, it's not so easy for the first interaction and to meet new people. So w what we see ourselves is kind of like a lead generation tool. If you're a salesperson or, or if you're a recruiter, it, we, we help people generate leads to help them achieve whatever their goal that is. So kind of how a Tinder is to a Facebook where, you know, you're on Tinder, you're meeting with potential dates, and you're essentially expanding your Facebook network. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to do with what they do for Facebook, we're trying to do for LinkedIn. We're not trying to keep you from using LinkedIn. I don't think it's a replacement. I think it's more of a, a complementary tool so that you can really be able to find the right people and expand your network and use LinkedIn as well. You know, once you've met someone on coffee, then you can connect on LinkedIn and then take it from there. Right. The reason I made that comment is a lot of the people that use LinkedIn seem to use it not only for managing their networks, but also for, for sales purposes. So the specific scenario that I'm referring to is that if you're a distributor of promotional products and you're looking to sell to someone at Coke, then a quick yep. LinkedIn search about all the people that work at Coke will then generate X number of connections that are related to you, and then that can be a great sales tactic. Absolutely. In your case, in the case of coffee, so we can put it in context for the people that are listening to this, it's maybe less of a sales tool as much as it is a tool for networking to find jobs. Is that correct? Yeah. And could it be used yeah. for sales? That's something that we're, we're, we're considering. The way it's set up right now is not very good for sales because you can't really send your own content through it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you can only use the fixed parameters we give you. 
to you know explain who you are and be a profile rather than being like a, a billboard. Yep. So that's something we want to continue to maintain throughout the app. We want it to be people meeting other people, not products selling themselves. Right, um, right. And that's, that's how we feel about jobs as well. We want it to be more personal because, I mean, I'm sure you've been through the process where it's like you send your resume and you send cover letters and you spend maybe like two hours writing it and making sure it's perfect and you send it over to some company that you want to work for and, you, you know, you just won't hear back because they have such a high flow of resumes and cover letters that they'll, they just won't get to it. And yep. the response rate is like 5%. That's a serious problem and I think that what we're trying to do at Coffee is put a face behind, you know, who you're getting the job from and just cutting out the middleman, essentially, right. you know, just getting straight to the point. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to interview this person and see if they're a good fit for this company anyway. Right. So right. it's better to start the conversation early rather than letting a whole bunch of resumes rust. Right, on your, on right. Your desk, you know? Yeah. And are there any notable, I'm sure you've, you have many stories, but maybe one or two notable success stories, some specific examples of success that have resulted from coffee yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we we actually just got a great success story come in, just kind of through through Twitter, I think. But but she had been using the app for a bit, and she got a job at Staples, sort of an associate job. Yeah. So that was a fantastic story that we just heard, and that means that the supply and the demand were both on there. So she, the talented candidate, was on the app, and the hiring company was on the app. So it means that there is sort of this marketplace that's going on. Yeah. And yeah, we're hearing stories like this every day. It's a great like, example. Like, there's a lot of hiring examples that, that have been going on, but the ones I find really interesting are the, the collaboration examples. Like we have this a UX designer in Italy who's collaborating with someone in Atlanta on a startup, and they've sort of incorporated together, and they found each other through the app pretty early on. What really excites me about coffee is the, the potential that it has for you to meet new people who could help you professionally, like all, all these projects, because you've met the right people. Human resources is very important, and with any company or, or any business, you know, you, you want to find the right people, and to do that, you just have to meet a lot of faces, and, and, and coffee is really the way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. In your case, because you're an employer at coffee, can you tell us a little bit about the makeup of your company, the size of it in terms of number of employees, and whether yeah. those employees came through coffee <laughs> itself? We're a team of four right now. We're looking to expand to a team of six soon. Okay. Uh, it's myself and Nathan and Justin Guzman and Aditya Swahini. They go to NYU, and well, we met them through tech at NYU. So it, it's kind of crazy because the development process is, is heightening right now. So our team could swell to about 10 people at any time. But as sort of the development of our V2 slows down, we're not going to have as many people on because about half of our – everything is in-house. We're hiring a couple people as contractors just to speed up the whole process. Yeah. So I guess from my experience, it's, it's all about testing it out, like working with someone next to them for like a whole day and just understanding you know, their work ethic and how talented they are. And that's really what we've, what we've been going for here at Coffee, just meeting the right people. A lot of times that we've, we've met partners through Coffee a lot, but we haven't directly hired through Coffee. We've spoken to a, a few people who have done freelance work for us, but we haven't had any full-time hires on Coffee because our team right now is all people that have been with us since from, since from the beginning. Years. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that, like, that's what I would have figured, right? You can't hire someone off the app before the app's been created when the original founding yeah. team is, is the group that started it. So certainly fair point. And I think maybe the spirit of the question is more, I'm sure going forward, if you needed a new designer or a salesperson or marketing person, that your Absolutely. first stop, of course, um, would be your own app because I, I can certainly see how it would help you. Absolutely. And we did speak to a few interns 
through the app, you know, that ended up helping us with the marketing work. Unfortunately, we haven't carved up a big enough chunk of the budget yet to hire someone full time. So once everything's straightened out with the funding, I think you know we'd be really be ready to post some jobs on our own app. Right. Right. So one thing I was thinking of as you were telling me your story is that here you were a graduate and you were yep. in the job market looking for a job and then you were frustrated because networking events were awkward or the jobs that were out there were not particularly inspiring for you. So you actually changed camps and moved away from being a job seeker to being an entrepreneur or a job creator. So that's interesting to me. And mm-hmm. Oh, and I want to say I was actually working at this fantastic architecture firm, Walter Melvin. Okay. I was actually working full-time there uh, when we founded Coffee, and then I sort of transitioned out as my responsibilities at Coffee picked up. But there was a period of time where I was just like, I, it was like I was working double hours on everything. Right, um, right, right. But, since they had the two jobs, but what they do is restorative architecture, which I believe is the most sustainable type of architecture out there. Mm. Instead of tearing something down and rebuilding it, it may have like a lead platinum, but it's not the same as you know taking what exists and and making it like and fixing it. You know, so it, it was a real pleasure to work with them. I got very lucky, and that was all through networking to land that job. So it wasn't that I don't like being an employee. I, I think if you have the right employers who really care about you and want you to have a stake in what's going on, I think that's the best. And so it doesn't matter if you're an employee or an employer, as long as everybody you know, has a stake in what they're doing, then I think that's great. I think what I'm curious about this is, and my question for you is, amongst the young professionals, or I think the acronym was YOPRO, which I love. Um, YOPRO. What? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Yo pros. I hadn't heard of that before. You know, clearly there's a lot of people that are looking for jobs that are out there, but are you seeing a trend towards entrepreneurship amongst your peer group and with these young professionals, or are you still seeing that the majority of people are still going out and looking for jobs and, and looking for meaningful jobs, but is there a group maybe even a growing group, that if they can't find something, they're saying, to heck with it, I'm going to go start my own thing, whether it's in software or whether in marketing or just going out and pursuing their dreams and becoming an entrepreneur as opposed to sticking it out in that rat race of trying to find a job that may not necessarily exist. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the spirit is definitely there. Entrepreneurship is pretty tough, as you probably know. It does take a certain level of risk tolerance if you want to do something like this. So, I think just in general, we've seen a lot more people get excited about the startup scene globally over the last couple of years. I'm seeing a lot of my friends in the creative industry start freelancing more and sort of being able to manage their own hours. And so I guess it's hard to say, you know. I think there's a little bit of both. I think it's tough to be young uh, and and not have, like, any sort of savings built up significantly where you could actually take a risk like this. Um, So I guess to answer your question, in reality, it's still very tough to, to get involved with startups. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to ask you a question from my software background with the experience that I've had in building CommonSkew over the last couple of years. You're the founder of a technology startup, yet you don't have a technology background, which is similar to myself. I went to school for, I did history and economics, and had always been very entrepreneurial, but didn't have a background in computer science, yet have been involved in growing a technology startup over the last several years. Has that been an asset for you, or has it been a liability, or like how have you been able to do this when you're not the guy writing the code? Absolutely. Well, what's really interesting is my architectural experience prepared me for this job perfectly. Sure. Um, 
at least in my experience at the architecture firm, you know, we would produce these drawings that would tell the contractors exactly how to build what, what they're building. Everything is clearly stated. Everything is just all you have to do is look at the drawing and plug. And what I've been able to do with the UX design here, here at Coffee is, is be able to sort of take the same approach and even use AutoCAD to annotate the designs so that when the team's developing, they just take the numbers and plug them in to the dimensions and the colors and everything. And, and you know, the whole process runs really smoothly. So it's, it's a lot of trust, too. You, you just got to find the right team that can communicate well. I'm in the dark when it comes to what exactly the code means and how it works, but the, the general principles are the same. So it's kind of like, just like language, you know, you, you read an essay and you understand what it means. If someone can translate that for you, then you can actually have a say in what's going on and what, what needs to be prioritized. And what's, what's fantastic is with a small company, you, you can wear multiple hats. So for myself and Nathan, he, he was really heavily involved in the design process. And he has really strong opinions about design that I really value. And vice versa, you know, I'll, I'll do some, like, financial projections or whatever when we're doing presentations and whatever. So it's very flexible. You know, we, we can do a lot of different stuff depending on what the needs are. Yeah, it sounds like you've certainly built something that's quite special and fantastic for having a team where you can collaborate openly with one another. I'm going to switch gears here for a second, and I'm thinking about people that might be listening to this podcast that are really interested in two things about millennials. The first thing is how to sell to millennials. And number two is how to hire and how to recruit them. So it's a two-part question. Why don't we start off with the first, which I think you're going to have a lot of experience with, which is how to hire, recruit, and engage and keep millennial talent. Because I know that there are some people, to give you a sense, that if you're, let's say, a, a Gen X or a boomer business owner in the promotional product space, there's a huge opportunity to hire younger millennial employees to come into the business. And there are some yep. people that are very successful with being able to recruit younger people. And there's other people that have a huge amount of challenge with yep. regard to motivating them and recruiting them and making sure that they come into the workforce and they're best equipped to either sell or produce. Any tips for, for some of those more tenured business owners that are looking to understand the millennial employee? Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic question. I think from my own experience, I think that something, whatever is meaningful to you is super important. So if you're trying to attract millennial talent and keep them, give them a reason to stay at your company. Give them a reason to work with you and have that reason be that they're inspired, you know, they find meaning at this work. And that can be through the way you engage the whole company together, you know, if you have common interests. As long as everyone's on the same page, I think that's the best way to to keep people involved in the company, to give them almost a stake in the company. Um, right. Sort of how you, you do it in startups, you, you'll have to break off some chunks of equity for your first couple employees. And then even later on, when, when you get employees, if you still have that startup mentality, you'll take up much smaller chunks in the future because you have so many stakeholders. But still giving those chunks away to your employees is a fantastic way to, to work towards the same goal because if the company does well, then everyone does well. And I right. think that's really a huge motivator. And why people my age are really attracted to the startup scene because you know, you really get to earn what you put in. Uh, whereas I feel like a lot of the times entry-level employees, they, they get kind of taken advantage of. They have a lot of skills that are needed in the right. workforce. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that because, and this is a very general comment, and one that you probably get more from the media than anything, but I've certainly heard some business owners will say this. I wouldn't put myself in this particular category, but, you know, if I'm representing the conscience of, of a broad group of people, I would say it's this, that, you know, one of the general objections that you'll hear about or general concerns you'll hear about millennial employees 
is that, you know, they're lazy and that they're not prepared to put the work in. And, you know, when the owner was their age, they stayed there till midnight and they walked up the hill to work both ways, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And what's interesting, and, and I've certainly come to know this in my many years of being an employer, that younger employees are not necessarily lazy at all. They're willing to bust their you-know-whats provided yep. they're chasing the right goal or that they're properly engaged and whether it's engaged from an equity perspective. I mean, I think some people, mm-hmm. whether they're going to give equity or not is another conversation. But I think even bigger yep. picture is like, are they engaged at work? Are they engaged with their colleagues? Do they feel what they're doing is meaningful? And I think that if an employer can figure that piece out, it doesn't matter if you're some call center rep or you're a salesperson or you're a marketing person. I think that the real key is figuring out what makes them tick, and then they'll work like crazy for you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the thing, just being able to find what gets people excited. And I think it's also the responsibility of the person who's getting employed to really realize that you have a lot of potential and you're better at certain things than you are at other things. And you should try to maximize that potential. And, you know, I think that's really the attitude of the millennial generation is trying to take advantage of this life and, like, use yourself to the full potential. Yeah, absolutely. So this, the second part of that question is millennial customers. So in the promotional space, there is yeah. a fast-growing segment of buyers that are in the sales or marketing or HR departments at big companies across North America that are in their 20s and there are millennial buyers is there a trick to selling a millennial buyer versus a Gen Xer or a boomer buyer? I don't know if I can speak on authority about any of this. Um, cause I'm well, hey, you're a millennial, well. so <laughs> maybe yeah, you bought well, swag too. Yeah, no, definitely. So I think millennials, like, you know, like I'm saying, we care a lot about meaning. So a lot of times we can attach meaning to objects, like promotional swag, you know. If it's cool or if it's something that represents, you know, who we are, if there's community around it. Yep. It's just like, you know, when someone in Boston is wearing a Red Sox hat. Yeah. You know, there's something about wearing that hat that makes everybody sort of, like, connect over it and be like, hey, that's, that's you know, yeah, how about them stocks or whatever, you know. Um, and it's the same thing with the New York cap, and, you know, and the list goes on. You know, you can it can be jackets, it can be jerseys, these kind of things in sports, for example, that, that brings people together. And so when it comes to the, these kind of branding things, it's, it's all about making sure that there's a community that backs the the idea. And that's the most important thing, to identify the community and what they're feeling. So a lot of these online communities, like in terms of marketing towards millennials, they see all this crazy stuff online with all these memes and stuff, and they think that that's how to market to millennials. But I think it's more about being genuine and authentic um, that resonates the most, not so much just creating a meme and like, you know, thinking that that's going to promote. I mean, it can. I mean, if a meme gets super famous and it's attached to some sort of company, then the company can get famous. But yeah. those, those are kind of like crapshoots. You know, you really build it by building a community and you know, building meaning around what you're doing. Well, for sure. I, I think that one of the really neat things about the promotional products medium is this ability for it to evoke this emotional connection between customer and the giver of the promotional item. And certainly not every item, I think, has got that emotional connection to it. But I think that, and I certainly speak from experience in my time at Right Sleeve, that among some of our more successful promotional engagements have been with it doesn't matter whether the customer's young or not, but if there's emotion that's tied to it, then, you know, it's generally more successful. And, 
you can certainly look at the success of huge consumer brands like Apple and Starbucks and mm-hmm. Nike that all focus on emotional connection. Like, how do you feel when you're using that iPad? How do you feel when you're drinking that Starbucks coffee? Well, it's really no different in the promotional space. So it's, it's good to hear you say that because I think that it, it serves as a reminder. There has to be meaning. It has to be authentic as opposed to just something that's a cheap throwaway. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just taking a look at the time here, so I, this flown by has been so fun. So I think I've got time for maybe one or two other questions, but just wanted to give a heads up that we might be in the kind of the final part of the podcast. Yeah, no problem at all. One thing I'm curious about, and something that I've heard as a criticism in the past, is that one of the downsides of social networking, whether it's LinkedIn or coffee or Twitter or Facebook, whatever the case may be, is that it is turning people into poor communicators in person. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your comment on this, that you'd made the comment at the very beginning that the traditional networking events where, you know, you go out and it might be at a restaurant bar and you get a drink and you're, you know, then everyone's thrown together and then you're supposed to shake hands and exchange business cards. You had mentioned that that format was something that was not terribly effective for younger professionals, and that's why you created coffee, which I think is brilliant, by the way. Thank you. What do you say to people who say, well, you know what? It's not all about social networking. Like, you need to know what it's like to communicate in person. You you need to know what it's like to have that awkward conversation over the veggie tray at, uh, (laughs) you know, the uh, networking event. How do you balance that as a young professional in terms of mastering the online channel, but at the same time making sure that you're still effective when communicating in person? Yeah, I mean, that's a fantastic question. I think it it goes so many more layers than just with professional networking. I think it's just with communication in general. I think devices and mobile devices, everyone's just like their eyes are glued to their their phones all the time now. And so it's like rude almost, you know, when you're on your phone and you're with a friend. We've gotten so used to diverting all of our attention onto this the screen that we kind of forget about what's around us. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the fault of all the industries built upon these platforms and, you know, the platforms themselves. Like, it's just too easy for us to get all this information now. So we're just kind of these, these information whores. You know, we're always, like, looking at our phone. Yep. Now I'm Googling every, everything I can think of when I don't know it. Yep. It's a real change in the way we live life. And I think we need to be aware that, you know, we're still animals. We're still these social animals that where, where ritual and eye contact are really important things yep. uh, when it comes to communication. So yep. I, I agree with you completely. The goal of coffee is we want people to get coffee together. That was why we chose the name because, you know, we want people to just see each other face-to-face, drink some coffee, and between work, you know, everyone's pretty busy doing whatever they are doing. And so we just want coffee to be that place where people can find each other using all this great technology that we have access to Yep. but also ultimately meet in person. I hope this can help people who are, you know, a little bit more introverted as well, who it would be difficult for them to take their first step into, like, a huge networking conference and, like, talk to a million people. Yep. You know, this can be a way to ease into that, you know, uh, with, like, a one-on-one, just a coffee meeting um, yeah. to talk about things that matter to both of you guys. Yeah. I think it's a great point, you know, in terms of celebrating those two things. I don't think that by any stretch is coffee trying to promote this introverted, antisocial experience at all. I think it's cool that the goal of it is to go and meet up and have coffee where you're actually having a real live conversation with someone. And I also think that at least my experience in, in the social networking world where I've been quite active for the last many, many years it's interesting that even though you might be spending more time on your screen than you did before, that it actually strengthens these relationships with, with strangers and that when you do go and meet them at a 
conference or at a tweet up or you know some some event where you're bringing members of the community together in an offline world the conversations are actually really easy at that point because you've got a you've got some kind of frame of reference and you've got some commonality that you wouldn't have had before so i think to some extent social networking at least for the people that do it right it actually lubricates the conversation in a way that would have been impossible 15 years ago so yeah, That's what I, I mean, always say to people who are who are detractors. Definitely, and to speak more about that, I grew up in Hong Kong, so that's yeah. sort of my home. My parents still live there. A lot of my good friends are still there, and there really would be no way for me to communicate with them if it wasn't for the internet and yep. Facebook yep. on my phone, and you know Skype and Google yep. Hangouts and all those things. Yeah, you know, I, I really I wouldn't have the life that I live right now because I wouldn't be able to communicate with these people halfway around the world. Yeah. So I think that's that's another benefit of the internet. Is, as long as it stays free, I think it can minimize those borders that people have created that cause a lot of inequality and just open that up to new ideas. You know, it's, you know, it's been such a pleasure to be, you know, in two great cities like Hong Kong and New York yep. and be able to see, you know, how they develop differently. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think it, it's pretty staggering and the opportunities are there for the people who are looking forward as opposed to looking back. Last question for you, Sawyer. And again, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with us. This has been absolutely fascinating. I always uh, love no the problem. conversations with people that are not from the industry. I think it really adds uh, an interesting dynamic to the podcast. Quite simply, what's next for coffee? You know, you're 7,000 users. You launched yep. in July. You know, you're not even a year old. What's next? What does success look like for you in 12 months? So, oh, wow, 12 months. So I guess in 12 months, I honestly, I, I don't even know if, it, maybe there'll be some some next thing that's like super popular, and we'll have to change our whole idea. <laughs> this thing is taking off, you know. These trends are pretty short lived. I think. I think the lifespan of like an app is like five years. But what's great about coffee is we've done all our development in house, and we've created a sort of a flexible team that can kind of like create things on the fly. And so, you know, I think we want to be around for good. I, I think what we really want to do is create the best experience for people to find others and connect with them. And we want to be a lot more integrated into other social networks. For example, like uh, we want to let you connect with someone on LinkedIn when you see their profile and you match with them yep. uh, so that you know your coffee life syncs with the rest of your life. And so that's kind of the stuff that's in development right now, uh, working on the designs for the next version. It's going to be a lot more iOS 80. So we weren't really using the design standards in our first version. It was kind of just like the MVP. So this version is going to be a lot more polished. Speed is going to be a lot faster. The, the messaging is going to be improved. Everything is going to be improved. And, and our Android version will be out pretty soon. I say in six months, we'll have Android, web, and mobile, uh, iOS. And by one year's time, hopefully we can start having, you know, much larger companies sign on with Copy and all, all, all this great millennial talent that we have floating around. I love it. I love it. I think that it, it's exciting to see young entrepreneurs that are jumping into an area where they're solving a real problem. And I think it's really interesting that the millennial young professional or yo pro market, as you say, is is exploding right now. I think that there's some people that are good at it, some people that aren't so good at it. I see great, great potential for you. And I think that specifically within the promotional space, I see, uh, and I've also signed up for coffee and had a chance to check it out. I think it's really interesting for you know a Gen X guy like me who's an employer mm -hmm. that I can connect with potential hires. 
And I think for yeah. anyone who is younger and is looking for a job, I forget it whether they're even younger. I you could be older and looking for a job. That yeah, I think absolutely. that there's huge opportunities there. So for anyone who's listening to the podcast, would head over to coffeetheapp.com. I'm not personally involved in it, so I'm not selling it. There's nothing in it for me, <laughs> other than to say that uh, I've been impressed it's free. with uh, it's, with uh, 100% free. So there, yeah, exactly, uh, exactly. Instead of playing some game on your phone, just think I could be being productive and making new connections that could help my professional life. What everyone does, right? Yeah, what a, what a perfect way to put it. And, and we'll obviously have this in the show notes, all the links to the articles, as well as, of course, the website as well. But on that note, Sawyer, thank you so much on behalf of myself, as well no, as you. everyone else in the Promo Kitchen community. Very well-spoken and really fascinating. So all the best. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right.